0: Christmas season, especially for us in North America, is a little bit sanitized. We separate from all the ugliness of what happened at the time of Jesus' actual birth and around that time from what we experience here in the West. We think of Christmas trees, we think of Christmas lights, we think of malls with Santas, we think of kids running around, the pitter-patter, you know, of all that. But we don't think of the ugliness. We celebrate, we may have social pressures that tell us not to say Merry Christmas, so we say Happy Holidays, but we know it's Christmas. We sign off emails with Xmas sometimes, some of us have gone past that and actually write it out again but we have separated it from the reality and the ugliness of it. When Jesus was born he wasn't born in a birthing room at a hospital. He didn't have a midwife. He didn't have a doula. He didn't have all those comforts of you know an epidural for Mary. None of those things. It was riding on a donkey Knocking on doors, finding everywhere booked, no hotel room. They found an inn that had no room. And they ended up being in the stable where the animals were. That's hardly a a dignified place for the birth of the King of Kings. It's hardly a dignified place or even a sanitary place for the birth of any child. I don't think any of our ladies who have given birth would ever consider going to a stable to give birth. I know it's always gloved and sanitized and everything clean. The baby's got to come into a clean environment from a clean womb. But that wasn't the story of Jesus. He grew up. And it's personal for me because Zoe was born a couple of weeks ago, 10 days ago, 12 days ago. And Ari was born two and a half years ago. So it was around that time that, you know, the Magi had come from the east to celebrate the birth of the King of Kings. And uh, it was a hard journey. Some say they were from Persia. They were astronomers and astrologer astrologers no astronomers and they were astronomers that were sort of watching stars and trying to figure out the timing they had heard some things about Israel and the king of the Jews so they came to visit him and on their way they met the king of the Jews Herod and he was very jealous of what was happening and he called his men he called the, pa- the priests I was gonna say the pastors the priests of that time And he conferred with them. And he realized that this is a child that's supposed to be born in Bethlehem. The king of the Jews, the promised Messiah. So he sends troops. And there would have been, you know, Jeremiah talks about there's crying and Rachel is weeping in Ramah. So Jesus would have been around two or so. So he ordered all children under two, two and under, to be killed. Now in that time, historians tell us that those villages would have probably had 20, 30 children each. So there may have been about 100 children, I'm talking children under, uh, two and under. There would have been maybe 100, 150 children that were killed. Now, we've seen in the news recently children being killed. We haven't actually seen it, but we've been told. And we know the consequences of that, the consequences of ugliness, the consequences of war, and we've seen the children on both sides of this conflict in the Middle East suffer. And every child that is hurt, every child that is killed, leaves a trail of disappointment pain, anger, hatred. So it wasn't a pretty Christmas. It wasn't even a pretty Christmas two and a half years later. But it was in the midst of all of that ugliness, just like today. It was in the midst of the ugliness of the political, the military, the oppression. It was in the midst of all of that that Jesus was born that the king of kings, the creator of all the universe was born in human form to bring light, to bring sight to the blind, to bring freedom to the oppressed, to bring change to a system that's broken. It's still broken, but last week we heard how someone oppressed in the midst of their oppression can find freedom. We heard a testimony of someone who was actually in a federal prison but yet in the midst of that was free because of the presence of Christ in their lives and the guiding light and the freedom that Christ brings. So with that as a backdrop with that as the reminder of the reality of what Christmas was 2,000 plus years ago and what Christmas has become today in terms of the plastic veneer that we wrap around it. But the reality is we still have people that suffer. We still have systems that are oppressive. We still have governments that are unrighteous we still have people that are self-seeking, we still have pain, we still have families that lose their children, we still have all of that, but the question is, what do we do with this little child that was born 2,000 years ago? And he was born with a very specific destiny. He knew his destiny. Sometime next year I'll share what has been defined as the seven primal questions. Each of us, because of our pathway in life, find ourselves gravitating towards one of these seven questions and uh, we find comfort or we are totally bothered by the yes or no answer to these questions. One of the questions is, do I have purpose in my life? And Jesus knew the answer to that question. He knew his purpose. He knew his purpose from a young age. When he was 12, he was in the the temple with the rabbis, the chief rabbis and the elders of Israel, and he was debating with them, answering some of their mysteries for them. At 12, he knew what he was sent for. He knew his purpose. At 30, He knew his purpose. At 31, at 32, at 33, he knew his purpose. When the king of Armenia sent a letter to invite him to Armenia to heal him, he wrote back saying, I've come for the lost children of Israel. He knew his purpose. Before he went to Jerusalem to be betrayed by Judas and to be crucified and tortured and and killed, he tells the disciples, I must go to Jerusalem where I'll be handed over to the Gentiles and killed. He knew his purpose. On the cross, when they were complaining and saying, why don't you, if you are the King of Kings, if you are the Messiah, with one word, come down and release us with you. He knew his purpose. So with all of that, there is good news. His purpose is to bring the things that he spoke about, that first sermon that he preached. It was in Luke chapter four that we read that he went to the temple or the synagogue, as was his custom on Shabbat. And the attendant handed him the scroll of the book of Isaiah. And from Isaiah 61, he read these words. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. And he has anointed me. In other words, he has covered me with the presence of God. He has covered me with an oil the oil representing the Holy Spirit of God, he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, give sight to the blind, freedom for the oppressed, and to set the captives free. And he continues to do that. So whatever circumstance you may be experiencing, whatever life pain you may be squeezed with right now, Whatever that is. The last few days, I've been in severe pain. This knuckle here and this knuckle here have been causing me tremendous agony. And they're worse at night. When I'm in bed, I turn and toss and try to sort of put my hands in different positions, but I pray. And when I shared that with Katya this morning, she reached out her hand and put her hand on my hand and prayed. He can step into the situations of our pain and bring us healing, bring us freedom. If there are things that we're blind to, he can bring us sight. If there's habits that we are captive to, he can set us free. So I want to pray for you today that you experience that. You experience his very presence in the midst of the ugliness. That's how he started. And that's not only how he started in the Gospels when he showed up physically on earth as a baby, that's how he started the process of creating the planet that we're on. Genesis chapter one, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was void and darkness covered the earth. But the Spirit of God hovered over that darkness. And the first thing that we read that God speaks is let there be light. And there was light. And God saw the light and it was good. And he separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day and the darkness night. Night and day, the first day. So from the very beginning, that's been his approach to step into ugliness, to step into darkness, to step into situations that are unsolvable. The earth could not solve its darkness problem. But he speaks right into that and brings his light. So on this Christmas Eve, Sunday, open your heart. You can put yourself in a posture internally, but it helps us sometimes to put ourselves in postures externally. So you may just want to cup your hands together like a little bowl to receive. Father, we thank you that in the midst of all the pain, in the midst of all the darkness that surrounds us, you have sent your Son. You have come, God himself, born into Humanity. Born to take on human form. Mystery of all mysteries. How God can come into a, a human's form, a human's body. But you've done that to show us your goodness, to show us your kindness, to show us your mercy. Lord, as I look around the room and I look online, each of us has our own stuff each of us has our own darkness each of us has our own pain but Holy Spirit we invite you now to step in and to bring your light, to bring your grace into our circumstance the circumstance that's bigger than us the circumstance that we have tried maybe repeatedly to change but we can't the circumstance that's beyond our control the circumstance of darkness the circumstance of pain of loneliness of rejection of betrayal of loss of defeat into that circumstance Jesus we invite you come in Come in. Come in and let this be a new Christmas in each of our lives. We're in the midst of all that burdens us. You bring us relief. You bring us joy. You bring us satisfaction. You bring us refreshment. We thank you. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Wow. I hope that wasn't heavy. I hope that was joyful. I hope that was something that uh, brings perspective in the midst of everything that's going on. So I want to change it up a little bit. And I keep getting this picture of Jesus around the table with hummus and some pita bread and some globlets of wine and, you know, these, I don't know if they were wineskins that they were using at the table or they had them in, uh, what do they call them? Decanters. (laughs) Decanters of the first century. They were probably little pot clay, uh, clay pot uh, bottles or, or, or jars that they had. Jars of clay but they weren't broken or cracked and leaking, but they were good bottles or, or jars. So as Jesus would share, this is the image that I'm getting. This is the, the image that I had in my heart for today. Somebody would speak up. So no pressure. You can simply sit back and enjoy today if that's where your heart's at. But if your heart is to be able to come up here and to share something with your brothers and sisters, I would welcome that. So, who's going to be our first person to jump on stage here with me? No pressure, huh? Mara, <laughs> I'll come up here. <laughs> What's that? <laughs> me to cartwheel my way up. Cartwheel, yes. Cartwheel.
1: Um, so, uh, as you were talking, I was just thinking about the last three months, and we lost Sammy's dad September 25th. I'm not good with dates, twenty uh, fourth. Um, and it was uh, f- uh, we had four months leading up to his passing. Um, he wasn't well, he was very sick. Um, and for a while we didn't tell the kids. We didn't know I guess how to approach it, so I'm g- I'm getting emotional. Um, and I shouldn't, right?
2: We're so good. Do
0: you want to come stand with it? What's that? Do you wanna come stand with her you your arm around her? No, it's not, he's, you know, he's, good, he's He's good.
3: Oh. <laughs> I'm <laughs> um, telling you, family see, time. <laughs> he makes me
1: laugh. Um, but, sorry, I was, l- I was looking at the kids, actually. But I think in August, so in Mayish, we found out he wasn't well. In August, we sat the kids down and talked to them. And we talked to them from um, a perspective of, of what comes next for him. He was a God-loving man. Um, His entire life, he followed God. He um, was wondering if he did enough But at the end of his life. He's like, I could have done more. I should have done more. But we talked to the kids from um, the fact that Gido, that's grandpa in Egyptian, is going to be in heaven. And in heaven, he's going to see his mom who he hadn't seen in 50, 60 years, right? When he left Egypt, he left Egypt. He never went back. Um, his siblings who he hadn't seen, his dogs, if they're in heaven, that he loved so much, and how beautiful this was, right? We're here for a period of time, and when we depart, there's so much more joy that comes that um, we need to remember that in our every single, like, day that we're living. There's so much more joy and peace and freedom, and love, and all the amazing things that sometimes we lose perspective of when we're here, going through our daily tasks and routines that get mundane and, you know, difficult and boring. But the kids were so good. And they reminded me, like, I look at them, and yes, they miss Giddo, like Chloe was telling Dad last night, I I miss Giddo, but you know what, he's in heaven having orange pop, eating (laughs) KFC, his (laughs) (laughs) favorite food, and uh, petting Caesar, right, and feeding the squirrels and the birds, the things he loved (laughs) to do. And that was from her. So it's just, um, I wanted to share just if you're, like, if there's something going on in life, there's so much better that's going to come. And not to say life here has to be difficult every day and miserable every day, um, but... Like, just focus on that. If you're having a hard time getting through today, like focus on what's coming, because here it's temporary, there it's like forever, and it's gonna be so good. What you praying that? Oh Can God. Um, no pressure. No pressure.
4: Okay. No
0: pressure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. Thank you, Mara. That was beautiful. The uh, I, I received a call yesterday from a good friend. Uh, some of you may know him, Barry Miracle. Barry is a uh, First Nations Métis, rather, and uh, he lives out by Belleville. Uh, he's a good friend. We've been talking for years. We've been fellowshiping for years, and he reminded me of exactly that. And he was saying, you know, there's so much more. And then he added a twist. He says, but we, the church ought to live in that so much more that's coming in the future, in the present. It was like, ugh. Why'd you have to say that, Barry? But it's the reality, and it's exactly what you were saying. Even in the midst of the pain, there's so much more, if we focus on the right things. And it seems that the kids get it better than we do. Right? The kids, because of the childlike faith that Jesus praised in the children, they don't get encumbered by the stuff that we as adults must deal with. But they trust their daddy, they trust their mommy, and they are released into that. Do you know the uh, the game where uh, it's a test of trust? You know that game? Trust Fall. I think that's what it's called. Is that right? Where Two people stand there, one in front of the other, and the person in the front is just uh, let go and fall back. Children are like that. They trust. We are stiffened. But if we trust and fall into his arms, it's a good place. Someone else. Tim, come on up.
3: Uh, I'm Tim, and uh, I just just wanted to say how much our family joined the church uh, this uh, year in 2023. And we have just been so blessed by the warmth of all the people here and how loving you've all been and how embracing you've been and what a great encouragement you've been. And I, I would really like to thank all of you without a doubt it's just such a welcoming place mm. and uh, I was just struck by something you said in your uh, dialogue earlier uh, that is that, if you look at the beginning of the Bible uh, Pastor Hanning was saying you know that the light and the dark and the Sun and the moon were created to shine light to give us light here on earth and in fact many past even today perhaps people are worshipping the physical They're worshipping the sun and the moon and the stars and so on. And that was given to us so that we could find our way around the day. But the wonderful thing is actually, and I picked this up from a film that we watched recently, which is actually when you look in the mirror, you see everything that's physical Mm -hmm. about you. But everything that's important is actually going going on inside of you. It's in your mind. It's in your heart. It's in your health. You can't see any of that. It's all on the inside. And I was just struck by the fact that Christ came the message, the Word in, in the beginning was the Word, and Word was Christ, and He has come to shine his light on the inside oh, yeah. to actually show us who we are, what we are, what our motives are, what our judgments are, what our hidden thoughts are, the things that we, d- we feel embarrassed or don 't want to talk about, or whatever they might be and so I just was struck by the fact that by accepting Christ, by looking at the word, by reading the word every day, by focusing on God, how much more we can improve ourselves, Mm -hmm. how much light can be shared, so that we are encouraged by him. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a really interesting sort of dichotomy, you know, that you actually look at something and it's just all physical, but actually everything important is going on inside. Yeah, that's very cool. Amen. 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 Thank you, Tim.
0: (laughs) Have you seen those? uh, I guess they're called backstage rooms with mirrors that have bulbs all around them. They so need the light to be able to even to see the outside. Right? But Tim is sharing something deeper where the light goes right inside and helps us on the inside. That's beautiful, Tim. Thank you. Someone else. Katya, come on up.
5: Hi guys, Um, it's good to see all of you and be back. Um, I actually felt the Lord wanted me to share this testimony um, from like my travels uh, the last little while in California and then the specific testimony, um, it relates to children as well and I just feel like the Lord is really on um, youthfulness and childlikeness. I think no matter our age, God is upon us to be children, children of God. Um, And so as you know, I've been in California in ministry school. Um, I had the opportunity actually to go to Edmonton, Canada um, on a ministry trip. It was the last trip I would have ever picked, um, but the Lord handpicked it for me. Um, That trip actually changed my life, and I I started walking in what it looks like to be a daughter of God, Um, not just um, to be someone who uh, knows the Lord, but to actually be a child of God. Um, so I was actually given the privilege and the honor to lead the Sunday school group in a church in Red Deer, um, in Edmonton. And, um, these children were, like, the sweetest. They, they were just learning about the Holy Spirit and what, like, who the Holy Spirit is as a person. And we got to teach on the baptism of fire. And, um, in, in this time, like, literally children, we played a game, they were just, like you know, children are so childlike, they're so free, they're so full of life, Um, and that's actually how God calls us to be, even in our adulthood, he actually calls us to be so free, so full of life, and so um, just vibrant, almost like not giving a care in the world of like what someone is thinking of us, so when we were teaching on the fire, the baptism of fire, we had two, I'm just gonna put this down for a second, but Um, we were teaching on the baptism of fire and we had two balloons and one balloon had water in it and the water represented the Holy Spirit and the other balloon was empty. It was blown up and it was just full of air. So one was blown up and had water and one was um, empty and full of air. And as we lit a flame of fire under the balloon with air, it popped. And as we lit the fire, like we lit a little barbecue light or fire under the balloon with water it continued to stay whole and that's what the Holy Spirit represents in us as children of God is that literally we, his, the baptism of fire and the water like we can stay whole through every trial through every difficulty through every like life matter is we can stay whole because of the Holy Spirit so I wanted to share that because the children then went out after that teaching they went out and they started to pray for people and the presence of the lord was so strong these children were just praying like literally like jesus heal them jesus we thank you for fully paying for this by your blood like that's it in jesus name be healed like they there was this most simplest prayers and um what we got to see is one man who had 20 years of chronic pain 20 years of chronic pain these little kids these two little kids i didn't we didn't the adults were not even praying for them the little kids were praying for them this man with 20 years of chronic pain was fully healed under the presence of god and that's what childlike does childlikeness does it literally brings in the ease of the Holy Spirit to heal. Um, And then I just wanted to read Mark, um, Mark chapter 10, verse... uh 13 to 15 but really um, starting at 14 so let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these I tell you the truth anyone who will not receive anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it and he took the children in his arms put his hands on them and blessed them I feel like we are his children, like truly. And um, yeah, each one of us, we are his children. And we're stepping into true childlikeness, um, I feel like, in this ch- uh, Christmas time. So yeah. Don't go
0: away. Amen. At the door when she came in, she asked me how I was. She prayed for this knuckle. I can do things with it I wasn't able to do before. Do you mind praying for this one? Yes. Yes.
5: Actually, why don't we all pray together as a church body? Because honestly, it's the Holy Spirit who heals. It is not one person. It's the Holy Spirit. And so, God, I thank you that your presence is here right now. And I thank you for healing. So if anyone also wants to stand up and pray, like, honestly, I would. we would lo- like, let's go for it. And if anyone needs healing, yeah, as well, please stand up. Yeah. Okay. So So Jesus, I thank you for fully healing Haney right now and every single person in this room. Jesus, I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your healing touch. I thank you, God, for fully healing every infirmity right now in the room and on every hand, on every muscle. I just declare the healing power of Jesus Christ. I command all infirmity to go in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Wow. Thank you, Katya. That was powerful. Yeah. Come on up.
2: Hesitant, but I want to share. Close. Um, so, based on what Maral was sharing, uh, it just triggered in me and what Haney said. So, the Lord has been impressing to me personally. Um, recently about dying to myself and um, and um, so it comes to uh, what so it's, it's physical death, Maharaj you're saying, but to me it's the spiritual death wha- that the Lord is, has impressed and what Heini said that we need to live uh, from heavenly perspective so oftentimes in order for us to Um, to be able to understand and live from the heavenly perspective is to understand the cycle of dying to ourselves, just like Jesus. Today we're celebrating his birth. When he, he was born, it didn't end there. He was buried, fully buried, and then he was resurrected, he came back to life, and then that didn't end. He went and he was ascended, which means he was in heaven, he still is in heaven. So our lives as believers, we know this, starts from that place. From his cro- from the cross, mm-hmm. and and from that ascension, we are operating from uh, heavenly places. But oftentimes, I've recognized in my life as well. I want to operate from heavenly places, and yet, in many areas, maybe a lot of areas, or some, I have not died to myself. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Lord was uh, impressing on me: the importance of uh, knowing that and doing it, and the importance of Dying to ourselves is a daily practice. It's not enough, you know, just practice it once. Once I die to an area and that's enough. It's just being aware and dying to ourselves um, daily. And I find that the benefits of uh, uh, practicing and being aware of this is um, that we can have an opportunity to surrender. we, um, We have an opportunity to live humbly when we practice this. And also helps us in our areas of weaknesses, such as if, if we have fears, anxieties, or any other weaknesses that we, we want to overcome. The dying to ourselves is a very important thing, so it's a cycle of that. Amen. Yeah. Amen.
4: Thank
2: you, Rudy.
0: Thank you. Thank you. When did Ghetto experience the presence of God like never before? September 24th, right? We are invited to come in to that place today. (coughs) Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, to know the good and perfect will of your Father. So when we step into what Hudi was saying, when we step into that reckoning ourselves dead is when we step into the reality of what happens when we actually do die. We come into the very presence of God. We inherit the inheritance that awaits us upon our death in the present, in the living. That's a tricky thing. But that's what the invitation is. Come follow me. It doesn't mean go get martyred, get crucified, but it means be willingly placing yourself on the altar of sacrifice to God to receive all the benefits of what comes later today. So it's a both and. It's a both then and now. Wow. Powerful. We forget that We know it theologically, we know it as a Christian doctrine, but we forget it because the cares of this world come and choke the seed of life that's in our hearts. The circumstances around us steal that joy away from us. That's why we need one another. That's why we are a body. That's why when one arm hurts, the other is there to comfort it, when one member hurts, We're there to pick up and comfort one another. Someone else? Okay. Uh, I think Hasmig is next. (laughs) (laughs) I say that because it was Katya and then her mom and then her aunt and now her grandmother next.
6: We need a grandchild. Uh, Yeah, I was reading this week um, Psalm 89. It said... uh, verse one i will sing of the lord's great love forever with my mouth i will make your faithfulness known so i say verse one because at verse one i i the lord kind of stopped me at verse one and i started to think about wow i will sing of the lord's great love forever and i thought wow lord your love is amazing your love is forever it's so deep it's so wonderful it reaches everyone who needs it it touches the hurt the ones who don't deserve it and I felt in my heart like, yeah I've, I've know the love of God I experience it when I don't deserve it when I'm not good when I'm hurting and and um I realized that the Lord started to show me a messy area <laughs> Tim the Lord showed me a messy area in my own heart because um because I started to realize that a lot of times there's a tendency in me, in, in all of us, I know, in me that um, we, you know, we would never dare say God don't love them or don't bless them because we know God is going to bless them. We know that God is going to love everyone, the ones that we don't love, the ones that we think deserve love. God is going to bless them. God is going to love them because he's awesome. Verse 1 says his love is amazing. So I was thinking about all of this and then he stopped me in my tracks because I thought, well, a lot of times, Lord, I have been, I was caught. I was kind of like caught. I was busted because I, I w- think, God, you're going to go. You're going to bless them and you're going to love them. But I've kept my own heart away from them. So I felt that the Lord was challenging in that, you know I'm going to love them, but do you know that when I came, it's Emmanuel. God with us, God with me. So he reminded me that, he challenged me that, when you think I'm gonna go love them, I'm in you. So if you are sending me to go and and love them, he said, the sin you do towards me is actually bigger because you're actually saying, God, you go and you love them because I can't stop you. I can't stop you. I know you're gonna love them. I know you're gonna forgive them. I know you're gonna redeem them. I know you're going to be merciful to them. But I'm gonna wait here. <laughs> you go do that. And, and he said, you reminded me, he said, no, I'm Emmanuel, I'm God in you. So if you, if you think I'm gonna love them, I would like for you to come with me to love them. That's the purpose of why I came, because I can do all those things. I can do all those things but i came so that i can be in you Salpi. i can be in you and so that when a person needs to be loved forgiven redeemed because so many times i hear you know that this relationship brings me anxiety it brings me toxicity so i need to separate myself from that person or group of people so that i can be well but then the lord reminded me there's that messiness inside of you is that if you think I'm gonna go visit them, who's gonna, how's love gonna visit? I'm in you, I am God Emmanuel, God in me, so I have to go with you, you have to come with me. At any moment, you decide to separate yourself and say, God, you go, he he reminded me, it's kind of like breaking my covenant relationship with him and I'm saying, for this short time, while, while you go and you help them, God, I will wait here for you. We will be separated for a while because I'm unwilling to allow you to flow through me. So I, um, I'm, I'm unwilling to go with you because he is going to go. And he reminded me that that messiness is like Jonah. You're like a Jonah. I never thought myself to be a Jonah, but I realized that because Jonah knew God is going to bless them. God is going to save them. God is going to love them, but I'm not going to go. I'm not gonna go where God's gonna go because a, I, you know, He had His own reasons as to why they didn't deserve um, His, Him accompanying God or God accompanying Him to go bring a big change. So it was a really uh, a big, a sombering thought for me that God Emmanuel with me means that when when I know He's gonna bless the one that I don't really want. I don't want anything to do it but God wants to and I'm saying God you go I'm going to break my relationship with you I'll wait here until you're done and he said that's not how I love you I love you I go th- in the mess with you I go in the difficulties with you I go in in all of the you know the the darkness with you I've never abandoned you and I've called you into that kind of a relationship with me don't abandon me because if you don't if you don't go many times act, actually my love not going there and I'm waiting for you to be willing to go so that we can go together because I'm Emmanuel, God in me for somebody else.
0: Wow. Now that's challenging to each of us because we all have relationships that we become very pious about and say, Lord, I will pray for them from here. You go do your thing. When they're all fixed, maybe I'll restart the relationship with them. But that's very challenging, Selpi. thank you for that. I've seen that in action uh, in a physical covenant expression. Earlier this year, we were in the Emirates and there was representatives from Arab-Palestinian Christians from Israel, as well as Messianic Jewish Christians from Israel. And uh, somehow, someone shared something and they reacted. The two of them reacted, the two groups. And they made a relational covenant with one another Realizing that both of them together are one church in the land of Israel. And that there isn't a messianic church and a Palestinian church, but there is one church of Jesus, one church of Yeshua, one church of Yeshua that is the one church that he functions through. That came to the test, October 7th when Hamas attacked and when Israel responded that came to the test. They have family that has been hurt on both sides. They have cousins, they have aunts and uncles, they have some of the Jewish people, the Messianics have children, siblings, nephews, nieces on the front line that have actually been killed. Some Palestinians have relatives in Gaza that have been bombed, but yet they, not, they know that they're inseparable and they have stepped into a covenant that they cannot separate from. So they persist. That became a very visible example for me of the reality of covenant and what Salpi was sharing about if he goes, we're with him. If he stops, we're with him, not to run ahead of him, not to run be, lag behind him, but to join him in everything that he's doing. That's what makes us disciples. That's what makes us the children of the light. The light stepping into the dark places. That's amazing. Someone else, Remy.
7: I do believe that when you open your mouth and speak and make a, any kind of declaration about anything, guess what, life's going to test you about what you say, <laughs> you must get this every week. <laughs> Last week for those that were here I shared a few little words and um, I was tested this week. So picking up, the co- picking up the coffee actually, so Isaiah 61, can you hold my glasses for me? I'm in For those who don't know, the the first, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is the prophet Isaiah speaking. Because the Lord has anointed me to bring good tidings to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. And so last week I shared, I said, you know, we're not just called to believe in Jesus. We're called to follow Jesus. And so Jesus... um, (coughs) We see him here. He's like, he's fulfilling this prophecy, but you know what? We're also fulfilling this prophecy for followers of Jesus, you know? When he was on the cross, he didn't just say, give me a minute here, let me just, you know, soak in, what's, let me try to figure out my situation. No, he spoke, he, 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 he forgave, he, um, he ministered to the, to the thief on the cross next to him. <coughs> and I learned so much from different people. Many months ago, I was at a restaurant. It was late on a Sunday night. It's a great time for me to go, do some writing, do some editing, quiet by myself. Um, <coughs> and I was doing that and this one person kept walking by, eavesdropping on wha- one of the workers there. She finally asked me what I was doing and I explained it to her. She was really excited about it. She was planning to become a screenwriter, so I gave her some books and things to read and it was really cool. The server then came up t- to, col- to get the bill. And she was commenting on my iPad, the technology, it's amazing. And I was sitting there, and then she started talking about (coughs) her son who's autistic, and how he uses this as a tool, and how amazing it was. And I I could see she was getting a little choked up. I'd never done this before, maybe once actually, but I took a lesson from a guy that we know. And I said to her, I said, you know, can I pray for you? And so I stood up, hands in my pocket, eyes open, looking just past her. I said a couple of words and that was it. God knows, I don't need to elaborate. God understands, you know? And she was choked up. She gave me a big hug. The other person that kept interfering was no, aha, I knew there was something going on special about you. <laughs> so, we shared that moment. Okay. Then I gave this lovely talk last week. The other day, sorry. Now I'm okay. The other day I'm picking up coffee for all you all and I'm at a Starbucks and I'm like frustrated because they don't have the coffee I want and You know, the person who's working there is completely clueless. I'm standing in line, waiting my turn. A woman comes up behind me and says, are you in line? I said, yes, I am. (laughs) I turned around and it was that woman I prayed for. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I'm like, man, you know, God's got a sense of humor, right? And so we caught up. I said, yeah, I'm just, you know, picking. you can't really recover. So you just (laughs) step in it. And then she says, you know, I'll never forget that prayer. I said, thank you so much. She goes, I really hope that you have people in your life that are praying for you. And I said, oh, if you only know. If you only knew all these people, all you all. So we're called to follow Jesus, not just believe in him. Yeah. He will bring people in your path, people in your way, and you can choose, you know. I, I declared myself last week. I said, you know, I'm that, that son, the reluctance. And I says, no, I can't do it. I'm busy. I got other things to do. Finally, okay, I, I show up. It's, it's, it's maddening, and it's, and it's hard. But show up, because God will keep bringing people in your path, and this is how Jesus ministers to people. It's through us. Wow. Thanks, Remy.
0: Wow. You know... Uh, You can always turn around to that person that you've sort of abruptly dealt with and say, hey, listen, I knew it was you. I was just testing you. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, that was a free tip. (laughs) Not that I've ever done that. (laughs) Wonderful. Uh, We have some carols, but I'm enjoying this, and I think we all are being blessed by it. So I don't want to terminate it, but I also know that 1 o'clock is coming up and uh, some of you may have other prior engagements, so we want to honor the time. But if there is, continue next, uh, well, we'll see. Maybe we'll do this again some other time. Uh, One more testimony. Come on up. The mic closed.
8: My English is not perfect like yours, guys, but I want to give my testimony because I trust God with all my heart, and when we trust him, he'll do the impossible possible for us. Forty years ago, we were in Lebanon and in the war. And my children, they were very little, and we were very young. My sister came to Canada. They had money because my brother-in-law, he he had a business in Lebanon. But I wasn't working in Lebanon. My husband was working, but it was (laughs) war. On and off, he is working. So we didn't have money. We had car and we had condo back back home. And uh, one day I called my sister, she was in Canada, and I called her and she said, it was very bad war. We're almost living in the basement of the building. So one day I called my sister and uh, to ask them how they are doing, and my brother-in-law takes the phone and he said, if you don't come in 15 days, we're gonna come back. Why you're gonna come back if you're happy there? He said, no, I can't live here without family, you know? And I was thinking, what should we do? I can't, I don't have money, I don't have ticket money to come to Canada, and we didn't apply if we're going to come, but like a refugee, we have to come. And back then, refugee was accepted in Canada. And I said, okay, I'll come, but I don't have money. What should I do? He said, we'll send you a ticket from Canada. And uh, when you come, you pay. We left everything behind. We left the condo. My mom was uh, in Lebanon. By the way, my mom, she was uh, born again Christian. We grew up like that, but I wasn't like her. I was Christian, but I wasn't born again Christian like my mom. Anyway, I'm sure my mom, she was praying for us. We left everything. We left the car, condo, everything behind. And we said, okay, send us the ticket and we will come. It's, it's like a joke what I'm telling you guys. We went to Cyprus, the ticket was like that, to go to Cyprus and to go to Cuban embassy to ask for visa. So we're going to Cuba, we were lying. (laughs) And uh, then from from there, Cyprus, we went to France. The Cuban embassy told us if in France they give you hard time, just tell them to call us. Okay. He was a young guy. I was young too. Who knows? But
4: with, uh, <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. Young with two kids. yeah, with three kids, three kids. yeah.
8: Anyway, uh, we went to France. Yeah, they they uh, bothered us. They said, uh, "How you're going to France and you don't have a visa?" We said, "Okay, call the Cuban embassy. We're going to Cuba." They called. And uh, they spoke and they said, okay, you can stay one night in France and then you go. Okay, we stayed one night, and then we came straight to Canada. We took the plane to Canada, Montreal, and we landed there. My brother-in-law, God bless his soul. It's all about God is faithful. Anyway, uh, we landed in Montreal with three children. We don't speak English, we don't speak French, we don't have money, (laughs) and they took us, we said we came a refugee because war in Lebanon. They said, okay, come to the immigration. We went to immigration. My brother-in-law is waiting Outside, half an hour, it's miracle. It didn't take us half an hour. They said, welcome to Canada. Welcome to Canada. They didn't ask us anything, just they said, do you have anything in Lebanon? I said, yes, we have condo, we have car. They gonna sell it, how much? They asked us about money and we told them how much if we sell it. Anyway, God has purpose in our lives. He brought us to Canada to save my family. It was very bad war, plus if they grew up in Lebanon, they wouldn't be Christian like they are now. I gain my family. When you trust God, he'll give you everything. I didn't ask God about money or house or anything. We came to Canada, yes, we struggled for one and a half years because we didn't have anything. We start working. uh, I start working in a factory. My husband starts working. By the way, we came refugee, but my brother said, if you ask government for help, they don't give you citizen. So, we didn't ask for help. We were borrowing money to spend for shopping. And we stayed one and a half years in uh, my brother house. But, thank God, he blessed me with beautiful sons-in-laws beautiful grandchildren they are Christian they come to church they praise God this is all I want and he gave it to me when we trust him he gives us everything that's why the Bible is saying don't think about tomorrow you don't know what it's gonna happen tomorrow think about today so three children They grow up here. They get good uh, education. Thank you, Jesus. What else I can ask God? This is everything.
0: (laughs) Now, she not only got three daughters and three sons-in-law and three grandchildren, but she's got a whole family. And uh, you know her as... In in this church, I've been 38 years in this church. Wow. many of you have known her as Mama Anno and uh, you've known her as someone who's taken you in sometimes some of you have actually stayed at their home uh, with the girls all married and out uh, some of the space has been used to actually house young people and uh, people that have come to Canada fresh so you've received an entire huge family not just the three daughters and their families and this is actually uh, what I want to sort of land on. Who do you want you to come up? And uh, if you've enjoyed today, if you have been blessed by today, this is a larger expression of what happens in our small groups. And this is what life re- where life really happens in the small groups. On Sunday mornings, we have amazing worship. We have the word preached. We have some coffee, and then we get out of here. But where these interactions happen, where hearts connect, where you become known and you get to know, where you experience the challenge that is brought by your brother or your sister as they're sharing their testimony, I encourage you, please, become one of the people that are involved in the small groups. You will not regret it. We're gonna be going through different changes in the coming season with the small groups. We're going to modify how we do things. We're praying about that. We're asking the Lord, how do we do this? How do we make them more life-giving? How do we make them more engaging? Do we need men's groups? Do we need women's groups? Do we need family groups? Whatever the case, we're going to modify what we do for the purpose of making life powerfully effective through the church community. We are a family. The scripture says that he places orphans in families. Many of us have different family relationships around us. Some of us don't. So, it's, he's not talking about those only. He's talking about all of us. Because all of us, just like Anu was saying, I have this beautiful family. All of us need one another. We need the encouragement that we get. We need the challenge that we get. We need the light that we get from people sharing. We need the confrontation sometime. You know, so I encourage you, don't make a New Year's re- resolution that I'm going to be joining a small group next year. You know, that's not going to last too long. You know, New Year's revolutions and resolutions, whatever the word is, uh, they don't go too far. But make a decision in your heart that you want to connect with your brothers and sisters. So I, I invite you, I implore you, uh, please do that. Puri, you have some... Uh, carols that you have set up for us and uh, what do we got here some of these carols we, we don't sing too often uh, I don't know if we have Now, I know it's past one o'clock, and I recognize that some of us have other obligations. So without feeling any guilt, if you have to go, we bless you, have a wonderful Christmas. We have a special program that was scheduled last week that because of a number of people that were down with COVID has been rescheduled for next Sunday. So our Sunday school program And our Young People's Program is actually going to take place on the 31st, a week today. So we invite you back. We're going to have a different Sunday again. So please join us then. But if you must uh, leave now, feel free. God bless you. Have a wonderful Christmas. And let's sing some carols. But before we do, I want to just pray a blessing over you. Father, we thank you for these testimonies. We thank you for the life that you are manifesting inside each one of us. Lord, each one of us, you know by name. Each one of us, you have stepped into our lives to guide us step by step. So wherever we are in our journey with you, we ask you, Lord, to lead us even deeper. Take us even deeper into your heart. You are constantly drawing us, wooing us, bringing us in covering us so we thank you for that and Lord as we go our different ways between now and the time we get together again may your presence go with us as Salpi was sharing you want us to go with you so in our covenant with you we will walk together and Lord if someone here doesn't know you yet I pray that today would be that encounter moment. That they would come to receive you as the light in their darkness, as the grace in the midst of the suffering, as the one who lifts off shame and guilt and gives freedom. We thank you and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. God bless you. If you have received him today, received that grace, come and see me. I just wanna pray with you privately afterwards. But in the meantime, let's sing some songs together.
2: I don't know how many verses we're singing. (laughs) Should we do one more?
4: Why don't we do angels? We have heard on high.